Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio as we continue our study in the book of Revelation. We are in chapter 4, a critical chapter really holding the key to understanding the entire book of Revelation. And the two things we're going to be looking at today in Revelation chapter 4 is first, the throne, and then second, the three most important words. These are the two things we're going to focus on in Revelation 4 because this is the focus of Revelation 4. St. John has been taken into heaven, and heaven contrary to some uh, books and popular conceptions, heaven is basically a throne room. And so the throne is the first thing focused on in chapter 4. In fact, it's mentioned 13 times. So in case you miss it the first seven or eight times, you have a bunch of more times the throne is mentioned. And in chapter 5, the next chapter, we're going to unfold a little bit further that throne by seeing the one who is seated on it. Of course, it's going to be Jesus. Then the second thing that's the focus of this chapter is the praise in heaven for the Holy One seated on the throne. Remember how I said kingship and worship are basically two sides of a single coin in reality in heaven, and it should be in our lives? Well, this is what we're going to look at, the praise for the Holy One seated on the throne. Now, if you put these two things together, you'll understand the why of all the bad stuff, so to speak, that's going to be occurring on earth by the bad stuff. I'm talking about the divine judgments that fall on earth. They're going to start in chapter 6, right after we get done with the throne vision, the praise of the one on the throne, the identity, and the disclosure of the one on the throne, all the bad stuff happens, but it grows out of what we are seeing right here in Revelation chapter 4. A key verse in Revelation 4 is verse 5. Listen to this. It says, from the throne issue flashes of lightning, voices, and peals of thunder. I'm going to read that one more time because this is a critical verse. From the throne issue flashes of lightning and voices and peals of thunder. Now, the Holy One is seated on the throne, and a world that's turned their back to God willfully a world that has basically disobeyed the king of the universe, turning their backs willfully to him rather than being centered on him in obedience and praise and prayer, well, judgments fall on the earth. Listen to Revelation chapter 8 and verse 5 and see if you can remember a little bit from Revelation 4 and verse 5. Then the angel took the censer, and filled it with fire from the altar. Now, the altar in heaven is placed immediately before the throne, okay? A censer filled with fire, really from the throne or right before the throne, and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, voices, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. 
In other words, the judgments we're reading about in chapter 8, we see in chapter 4 that from the throne, the lightning, the voices, and the peals of thunder. Further, the conclusion of the judgments in Revelation 16 and verse 17. The seventh angel poured his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came from the temple from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were flashes of lightning, voices, peals of thunder, and a great earthquake such as never been since men were on the earth. So great was that earthquake. You see, the judgments that fall on the unbelieving world described in the book of Revelation, starting in chapter 6, are a result of the world that has turned from the Holy One seated on the throne. God created the universe, and his holiness is to pervade it, and those who choose to reject it, to basically by their own will say, I don't value it, or I'm even opposed to it, well, judgment's going to fall. And that's how the entire book of Revelation unfolds. It comes from the throne. Now, on the throne, I mentioned that there are three really important words, and they're in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 8, where nonstop holy creatures in front of God who is so holy, these holy creatures have to shield their eyes and day and night. In other words, continuously they say, holy, holy, holy. This is the heavenly liturgy. Catholics, we call this the sanctus. It's simply the Latin word for holy. And this is exactly when Isaiah, in the Old Testament, in chapter 6, when Isaiah is taken to the throne room of God, he, he goes up to heaven and sees a throne, and surrounding the throne, these holy creatures, and they're saying the same thing. Holy, holy, holy. You fast forward about 600 years and you have St. John taken up to heaven. Again, the vision of heaven is a throne vision and the kingship and the worship are going on. And John, just like Isaiah hears, holy, holy, holy. Now, Hebrew is a limited vocabulary and so sometimes for emphasis, rather than having another word, since it's a limited vocabulary, a word is simply repeated. And the New Testament, although it was written in Greek, kind of follows this usage. So like, for instance, you're reading the Gospel of John and you hear Jesus say, truly, truly, or amen, amen, I say to you. Well, that double repetition means pay a lot of attention. This is important. But only once in all of the Bible is there the triple repetition, and it's in the throne visions, the holiness of God. And here's are simply some descriptions of this. This is beyond human description, but the Greek dictionary Kittle says, holiness is a revelation of God's innermost nature. It embraces omnipotence, eternity, and glory, and evokes awe. 
Dr. Peter Williamson, his commentary on Revelation, one I heartily recommend, he says, holy means totally other. In other words, he's like no other or different, transcendent. The New American Commentary says, holiness is the central attribute of God. You know, when we study Revelation, this isn't just to get some kind of abstract knowledge about biblical prophecy and then go on our way. This is to be applied to our life. The book of Revelation is real, just like every other book of the Bible. It's not just a textbook to learn some religious facts, but it's to apply to our lives. And I'd like to give a few practical applications from the holy, holy, holy God. And number one is how we use our tongue. I dare say that as Christians, we're all too careless in the use of our tongue. What did Isaiah encounter? Here he was. Isaiah's a good man. He, he's, he's a godly man. But like you and I, he comes into the presence of the holy God. And what does he experience? In Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 5, he goes, woe is me. In other words, I'm undone. I'm lost. Why? I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I just, and I'm speaking as your friend, I'm not trying to come down on anyone, but if you've ever used the word holy before a four-letter word, I dare say run, don't walk to confession. You have no idea what you have done. This is just as serious as taking out a 45 revolver and killing a person because you just don't defame the holiness of God. The Lord's Prayer says, after we call God our Father, hallowed be thy name. It means holy be thy name. And what the fine work of the Holy Name Society did maybe about a century ago really needs to be uh, brought forward we need to really evaluate how we're using our tongues. Secondly, I'd like to talk, talk to you about a peanut butter sandwich in Georgia. Shortly after I became a Catholic, Catholics were running up to Georgia to a woman claimed to be a prophet and giving, getting revelations from heaven and such like that. And everybody wanted me to go with them because this was something so special. And I looked up and read one of her accounts of when God came and was speaking to her, and she mentioned that she was making a peanut butter sandwich, and God came and spoke to her about this or that. I had the advantage of encountering prophets like Isaiah and Ezekiel, who met the trice holy God. And when they did, Isaiah says, woe is me, I'm undone. Ezekiel said, I fell on my face. Making a peanut butter sandwich, if the trice holy God appears to you, and just to continue doing so as if nothing special is happening, I never bothered to go to Georgia. Uh, and this one, a lot of people are going to take uh, uh, in a difficult way. But the theology of the body movement in some circles has gone a bit too far. Um, I believe in the theology of the body. I've taught it. I try to translate the terminology to make it understandable. But theology at its root is the study of God, not the body. 
And I've heard one publisher of Theology of the Body books claiming, no, this needs to rise now to the level of worldview. In other words, this needs to be our all-encompassing thought structure. And when anything like Theology of the Body, which is good, loses its balance and eclipses theology proper, then something has gone off. And I just went online, and you can take a Theology of the Body course for $1,275. Or there's a paperback, and I wish I knew a Catholic author. This is an evangelical Protestant author, but um, who could write about the attributes of God in a very understandable way. And I'm looking at a copy of my book, The Knowledge of the Holy, by Dr. A.W. Tozer. It's only 137 pages. You can understand everything he's talking about, and he's talking about God, theology proper, the attributes of God, which are simply the things that God reveals to us about himself. And Dr. Tozer's book sells for $8.46 or $3.80 if you go Kindle. He says this, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And if you ask somebody today, maybe even a friend who's gotten totally into the theology of the body to an unbalanced perspective, just share with them, can you tell me two or three attributes of God that really stand out to you? Because what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I'm Steve Wood, your host, And you've been listening to episode 78 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.